Hello. Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss the recent report from ProPublica, which cited confidential IRS data it obtained to just spill the beans on the crazy level of tax avoidance that some of the wealthiest Americans are getting away with. We'll also react to the suggestion that some scientists are making that the universe, as in like the universe, outer space and everything that we know of, is conscious, as in like what we think of consciousness, you know, like we are aware and present and so forth. And in addition to a lot of other things that may be conscious that we may not think of in that context, and they're doing that from a scientific and mathematical perspective. Joining me today is a man who feels that money trees are the perfect place for shade. Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, are you ready to share with us how to turn a dollar into a million so we can all get some shade? Man, I'm just enjoying the time under the tree here, man. I'm in a hammock <laughs> and everything. It's great. All right. All right. There we go. You enjoy that. Now, we're recording this on, on June 14th, 2021. And last week, ProPublica, which is a nonprofit newsroom, which operates to provide investigative journalism on items of public interest, released a bombshell report that's based on leaked IRS tax records that exposed a shocking level of tax avoidance uh, being done by some of the wealthiest Americans. And avoidance, meaning legally avoiding tax. This isn't saying that someone's committing a crime, but just tax avoidance. But it's to the extent that it results in like billionaires, people who are billionaires, in some cases paying no federal income tax in a, in a, in a given year or multiple years. Now, ProPublica is exposing this apparently to advance the premise that our tax system here in America is broken and results in a system that's just fundamentally unfair to most Americans. And just, you know, it it's just doesn't work for its intended purpose. And so we want to get into that. But first, Tunde, do you agree with the, this apparent premise of the article that the tax system is broken, is in fact broken and potentially unfair? Um, no. No. Oh. I'd say it's complex. That doesn't mean it's broken. Um, and I would say, um, I, I think it's neither broken or unbroken but in that way. Um, let me be a bit clear about that. I think like many things, right, that our tax code, uh, not only the collection of the revenue, but also the decision on how that allocation or how that revenue is allocated back for the national use if I can put it that way, in all aspects, you know, from, from overseas military stuff all the way to domestic policy stuff. I think it's just a general collective reflection of the values of a society, right? Mm -hmm. So I think when, you know, and that's why I answer it the way specifically I'm answering it is it's not broken or unbroken. We have a So you're saying it's, it's imperfect. It's not necessarily like it's, it's a car that works it's not broken. It's not on the side of the road, but then it's not also, it's not something that is, is flawless either is what I'm getting. Yeah. At. I mean, I think, look, it, clearly nothing is flawless, especially when you're dealing with a nation, the size of ours an economy, the size of ours, you know, nothing's perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and we've discussed that in many levels in various shows we've had, whether it be immigration or the responses to COVID or whatever, you know, all these things are complex and they're just not, there's never a perfect answer. And I think as I was preparing for today, Similar to some of those other complex topics we've we've discussed, I think part of it is also uh, from what lens uh, is the person making the observation and or the critique, from which lens are they viewing it? And that's what I mean. Like, I realize that 
probably one's relation to the tax uh, situation or tax code in this country, whether they feel it's broken or not, um, generally stands from their relationship with it and, and how they stand. So um, I would say this, most people, of course, have a negative view on taxes. You know, the, the only two things that are guaranteed are death and taxes. Um, we tend not to think of taxes with a rosy feeling and- And, and, and nor death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like taxes and death are the two things people try to avoid the most in our society. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying anyone out there. I mean, I'm sure there could be one human being, but I, I don't picture that there's this group of people saying, yeah, the tax code's freaking awesome. It's awesome. I just think well, that I, it's- I think that the billionaires that are, are cited in this report might think that the tax code is well, awesome. Well, I would say this. I'm sure they <laughs> wish they would pay less than zero or some of them, you know, but, but if that was possible. But that's my point is saying that- um, I would say this from someone, uh, speak of myself, that's an entrepreneur and uses a tax code in a, in a, nor in a legal way, in the way that I understand it. Um, I think that the tax system is fine, um, but I think, can it be improved? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's complex. Is it messy? Yes. But I think that like we've said about other topics, that's what it reminded me of, not to get into other topics, but we've discussed other complex issues that our country has dealt with. And we've said things like, the, the, the things that we feel or a lot of people out there that complain about that think that is needed to fix it, they're already there. Maybe things like enforcement of the, or existing rules and other things like that should be looked at at a much greater way. And then I do think there's, there's obviously technology and other things that have um, led to the need to revise um, yeah, to, to the take tax a look. code. So and I actually, think that's where I, would, that's where I would go, actually. I think it is broken and I think it is fundamentally unfair. But the reason being is that, and actually the ProPublica report shed light on this in terms of when it gave some history in the tax code, uh, in terms of the tax code as it stands right now, that it focuses on income and due to court decisions from earlier in the 20th century, income specifically excluded investment type things, unrealized gains from investments and so forth. So it basically created that type of thing created a way to, if you are of a certain level of means, to avoid the bulk of a tax burden. And so if you have a system where your effective tax rate on your growth in wealth for a worker is higher than it is for someone who makes a lot more, I think that's fundamentally unfair. And that gets into the bro. So I'm saying mechanically, yes, it's broken. People have figured out a way or a way, a opening was created in it that made it no longer suitable for its purpose or made it so that the rules created an inconsistent outcome that no longer operates fairly. So I would say, yes, it is broken. And I'm, I was happy that this illustrated that. Now, what I would caution, though, and I know that you kind of you had I know you had this in the back of your mind because I know you so well. But <laughs> the, the concern, though, like just because something is broken as it is right now, that doesn't mean you, you, you go from one. It's one extreme, so to speak, right now. You don't lurch to the other extreme. So I would actually, while I look at this and say, yeah, that that's good. That's good. That's solid evidence that what we're doing right now isn't working right. That doesn't mean we go to the other extreme either, though. And so, like, that's where I would exercise caution here in terms of, okay, we caught the hand in the cookie jar. That doesn't mean we cut off the hand. You know, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that just means maybe we need to tweak things a little bit so that these loopholes or these these these, these types of approaches that kind of avoid the 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 point 
in a way that's legal, but it kind of undermines the whole point of what we're doing. We can let's let's try to address those. Let's try let's be smart. Let's not just be mad. Let's let like because we still want a system that works. We still want to incentivize people to take risks and reward people who take risks and succeed. But okay, we have we have, we have a loophole here, an issue here where you're able to undermine the system. Oh, you know, pretty easily. And like, let's close that. And so that's why I would say it's broken, like just more mechanically, like, yeah, there, there's something about the way it works that is not working in a way that I would think it makes sense or is fair. Well, you know, and this is where it's just interesting to me reading that ProPublica article, I, I really uh, had an issue with the way they presented the information. And this is what I think, again, going back to the complexity of not only the tax code, but just how we deal with taxes in this country. Because I thought it dawned on me. I started looking and reading this and said, you know, these guys being targeted, I wonder what do they get paid, like salary-wise. So I went to Yahoo Finance, which is a legitimate website that most people know. And uh, it's actually finance.yahoo.com. Um, and um, and um, because they have updated- Yahoo, public- thanks you for the plug. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> um, the, but they have updated- um, information and see, again, this is the beauty of our system, right? A lot of this has been flushed out. To be a publicly traded company means you have to release certain information to the public and be transparent. So they have what's called 10 Qs and all these things that they issue on a regular basis. And so the latest information they have is that Jeff Bezos' salary at Amazon is $1.6 million. And that's what I realized, like, okay, he's paying 39% on that tax, on that income above, you know, whatever the top bracket, you know, the 400,000 or whatever, once you get over that number, you're paying 39. So most of his wage income is taxed at that level. And I thought, how come people aren't mad at NBA players and NFL players and movie actors? Why? Because, you know, you hear about LeBron James maybe signing a $200 million contract with the Lakers, but all that income is going to be taxed because he's just going to be Earn, it's called earned income. Anybody making income from a W-2 is called earned income. Now, what's not taxed at the same rate for Jeff Bezos is his shares of stock because Jeff Bezos took a risk in the 90s, started a company called Amazon. And while other people were getting salaries and being able to put food on their table, Jeff Bezos might have been struggling for his first few years. What happens is out of millions of entrepreneurs, Jeff Bezos figured it out has a great thing going. And what happened is the value of the millions of shares, the stock that he owned appreciated over the years. And until he sells those stocks, there's nothing to tax. And well, so no, I think that, that's, that's, that's your own construct. That's not some l- rule from God. Like you, there's no reason. Yeah, but, you but can't James, tax that's that. not my own construct. Like I made it that up. Is your what I'm saying construct. is, but it's not. Where is that? Yeah, I didn't make that's that the up. Only way to that's do the it. tax where, code. But no, but that's my point. If it's broken, it's broken. But where's that written that that's the but only way to do it? But here's the thing, James. But hold on. Let's say I, I worked hard, like I do, and I pay taxes on my income, and now I build up my savings account to two or three hundred thousand, and I take two hundred thousand of that, and I take the risk to go be an entrepreneur. I hire some people, and ten year, and and for that, I I, I issued myself ten thousand shares of stock. In ten years, I did a great job, and that stock now is worth. $500 million. I already paid taxes on that initial money. But you didn't pay taxes on the money that it grew to. But that's the point. So that's the, my point is saying that people are arguing about something that doesn't exist, which is, or if they want to elect people to change this, which is the tax code is the way it is. We don't have a tax on wealth or capital. 
Well, no, that, and, that was the significance and, of that Supreme Court decision and, is that it said that those that growth was not income, and so therefore it couldn't be taxed. That's, correct. But and, that that's but, not. But some here's my point. God though. is we my have, point. Though we have we have well, obviously anything can be legislated and rules made. I'm just saying we also have an estate tax. So then at death, if I'm worth over a certain amount, my heirs have to pay up to fifty percent. Of that value, so if I die, not if you have a wealth manager like Tunde Ogunlana. No, nah, well, I can't help these billionaires. I mean, at some point, you can't even ignore, avoid um, the estate tax if you're that wealthy, and that's my point. Like somebody worth a billion dollars, their family might pay four or five hundred million in state taxes. So but my they point might is, not. is that I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like we don't the, know, but all, the the but that's what I'm saying. That the system has all these things already worked out. In a, in a, I'm not saying it can't be changed and things can't be updated and, and modernized and all that. I'm just saying that when I'm reading the article, it's making it out as if all these guys are such fat cats and it, it doesn't describe the type of income they're making either. Well, but no, it, it did. Some of them pay themselves. What does it say? Elon Musk pay himself a dollar or, you know, there were several of the people in here whose salary each year is a dollar. And that's public and they make a big deal about that. And so there are many different ways for the, the billionaire to do it. And there's what different they don't ways. talk about is when he sells Tesla stock to raise his own money so he can live, he's paying capital gains tax on that. But but they do. They talk about how they don't sell the stock. They borrow against the stock and okay, don't. Okay, so that so that's another thing. So if you screw up whatever you borrowed the money on, you don't pay it back, guess what? The bank is foreclosing on your assets, the, the collateral you put up, the stock and the real estate and all the stuff. My point is, is that there's always a risk for these guys and everyone acts like they're just getting it for free. And and that's what I mean. I'm I not think like people are acting like they're getting it for free, though. But, they're but just saying point, if you James, do really they, well, you should have to contribute more. That's the whole thing. No, I want to get into is, the is why, that, though. But but here's my point. I read about Carl Icahn. He's got one point two billion in in loans against his Manhattan apartment and a bunch of other assets. So my point is, is if he mismanages that loan, that one point two billion, the bank's coming for his his apartments and everything else. So he is 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 still um, that has nothing to do with taxes too. That's just lending against your assets. So why should he be punished for that? That's a totally different game than taxes. Well, no, I, it's done though. That what was pointed out is that that type of borrowing a lot of times is done. It's not like they're borrowing the money because they don't have the money. They're borrowing the money because if they access that money, they will have to pay taxes. But, but that's so they but, borrow it, borrow funds from someone else. So that it, you know, it's not like if you if you take a ten billion dollar loan, but you're worth a hundred billion, that's not a that's not you're not risking it in the same way that somebody's taking out a mortgage and they for for three hundred thousand and they make fifty thousand a year. But I want to bring this back to, to tax discussion because, yeah, yeah, you can always come up with hypotheticals on how things can work out and how things can be good. I think, well, it's yes, not you're correct. I'm, I'm pointing out this is what the article said these guys are doing. So well, but this it is, also said that they're using it for living expenses. I mean, so yeah, you can, that's the velocity of money, too. They're paying mortgages, they're paying well, no, expenses, but they're, doing they're buying that. cars. You, you, you take, give yourself a dollar, you obviously can't live on a dollar. And so you take, you take a loan out for living expenses so you don't have to pay yourself more and therefore don't have to pay taxes on more. But I guess what I'm saying, James, is for some people, it's never enough. Look, Bezos pays himself $1.6 I'm sure Jeff Bezos is a grown man who's a CEO of a big company. He doesn't have a lot of time. I'm sure it's he's It's not probably- about targeting these guys individually, though. It's about trying to set up a system that makes sense. It seems like you're doing the opposite of what I was saying, is you're saying, well, if you don't like this, then you have to do something that is extreme on the other side. And I'm not saying, all I'm saying is that if something yeah, no, isn't working- I'm not working, saying that either. I'm just saying that the ideas proposed, I think, would hurt- like if I was making, see, this is where I could appreciate that if I was making over a million and they raised that tax rate that high, 
I'd probably just make sure I made less than a million. I'd make nine fifty just to say, go screw yourself. Well, that's how I mean, it worked in the in the New Deal, and that actually corrected wealth inequality. That that is the point: is that you said it so it's not advantageous to re- withdraw that much money from the economy for yourself personally. But I want to. I mean, we can get lost in the nuance of it. Yeah, and you know, some of it, like what I'm saying, is more high level in that we're looking at something, a system. And there have been workarounds created in the system. And so therefore, let's try to address the workarounds, not to be punitive, not to stick it to anybody, but just to try to bring the system back aligned so that, for example, a billionaire on his earnings pays a similar tax rate than someone who is working a salary. Like like Warren Buffett, this isn't like radical. Warren Buffett said, made this argument in 2011. He said that there is class warfare going on and my class has won. And so- all I'm saying is that let's look at the big picture. Let's not be stuck in what is or what has been. Let's look at this. Let's try to create a system that's fair. And there are a lot of proposals out there for doing that. And I don't think we should look at things and say, we got to go to this extreme or that extreme, or we should look at it and say, hey, well, if you don't like this, then we got to blow the whole thing up. None of those things are as helpful as just trying to say, like, just what we just see here is here are some of the ways in which outcomes that are out of whack are being delivered. So let's try to look at these and see if we can bring this back in line to just something that's fair. But I know we always like to get into the why on a lot of these as well. And so, um, you know, like it'll allow us to be on the same page as far as how we're viewing taxes and the tax system in our country. So broadly speaking, like from the point you're coming from, what do you see as the purpose of our tax system? And, And from that, you know, like, does it appear from the numbers that you see here based on the purpose that you see? Do you think there's a misalignment there or not? Um, I mean, I think to answer the first question directly, obviously the purpose of a tax system, I think is generally similar everywhere, right? To raise revenue for operation, right? Of a, of a society, a country, um, so on and so forth. Then, um, you know, and, and our tax, uh, just for a little bit of history for, for the audience, you know, our income tax uh, goes back to 1913. It was, was ratified by the 16th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So income tax has not been something that has been um, uh, a fixture since the start of the country's founding. No, but what happened is, um, as I was doing my reading on it, um, it's interesting just to learn all this stuff, right? Like prior to 1913, the sole source of revenue for the United States was tariffs and excise taxes. Well, they tried. So, Remember, Congress tried to put on some income taxes, and the Supreme Court kept knocking them down. Yeah, and that's why well, they had to do a constitutional they, amendment, you know, to to actually put them in. Yeah, and that's why because um, because um, well, similar to today, right? The wealth class, you know, controlled <laughs> the courts and, and and lobbied and all that. So it's no different than today. So that's one thing. That's why. Capital and power always find each other, no matter what. And um, but you know, even if it takes a hundred years, but, uh, but um, yeah, they came but, uh, with the GTFOA. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, so 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 the thing is, is that um, but that's what was happening, right? Is that it was kind of sloppy because every time the government was in a hole, they had like an excise tax, like the stamp tax of like eighteen something. Because they had to just make up from yeah, after the cost the civil of the war is when civil it really war, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, and you had all these finance. You had banking crises in the late 1800s. It just you know, it was still the wild west of finance in the United States, especially after the Civil War, when you didn't have the um, the kind of the the economy of the planter class and slavery, which actually was a consistent driver of economic growth at the time. So what happened is you had a couple new systems put in place around the same time. Actually, these two in the same year, which 
lend themselves to conspiracy theorists. But I, I, looking back, if you actually read the history, they were just necessary. An income tax in 1913 and the um, implementation of a central bank called the Federal Reserve Bank. So both of those created financial stability for the country going forward. One, um, giving stability for an actual national banking infrastructure. And then the second, giving stability of revenue for the, um, for the treasury. So that goes back to kind of the why of the taxes. Um, and I think, yeah, like we've talked about, right, all that ebbs and flows. It's been literally 108 years <laughs> since taxes were first implemented at, at a, the income federal level. And, um, you know, that's why I agree with you. I'm not opposed to having a discussion about, um, you know, looking how to improve it and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying my issue in this conversation is the projection that this article makes of these people like and this assumption, because I was looking at um, some of these folks and this is just kind of because I do this for a living, like something like the municipal bond uh, environment. What a great example. You know, that income is all tax free. So someone could have a billion dollars in municipal bonds. If they're in a 5%, they're making 50 million a year. It's all tax-free. But the reason why municipal bonds exist is to promote private capital to go into public infrastructure works. Yeah. So for example, whether it was the stadium by us that was built years ago for the Miami Marlins, whether it's airport projects, you know, the big airport in Atlanta, I remember it was all on the news when they expanded it and it was a municipal bond offering. And so all those things and, and, Governments don't buy municipal bonds because governments don't pay taxes. So that's why it's the only vehicle for a private person that is 100% tax-free in terms of the income. So the, the, the municipal bond market today is about $4 trillion in size. So think about it, that's really $4 trillion that was private capital that just went in and said, okay, we, you know, we're wealthy people. We want tax-free income. But in exchange, the municipality, the city, the state can hold our money for 30 years and, and do stuff with it. So my point is, is that, is that perfect? I don't know, but it's a kind of, to me, it's a cool way of a kind of private public partnership through the tax code because wealthy people don't like paying taxes. So the IRS gave them a carrot, which was, you can get tax-free income here, but the stick is, it's got to be a bond. And but that's, that's targeted to maturity. though. Yeah. And that's targeted. I mean, and that's a way, like I would but, say but that's what I, I would want to add to what you were saying though, uh, because I think, only part of the reason that you have tax system, like I would say the revenue generation part is the checkers part, but the chess part actually, and the one that actually is important for beyond just financial stability, but political and social stability is to manage wealth inequality. It's one of the few ways that the government can regulate how the spoils and capitalism are distributed the way capitalism works, and this is something that, for whatever reason, is not common knowledge. But all money flows to the top in capitalism. That's the point of the system. The reason it's called capitalism is because you, your capital is what brings more money in. And so, with my, all money flows to the top, if you do not have an effective mechanism to to keep money flowing back down into the system, back down to the bottom, or at various points in the system, then the money ends up sticking at the top. And you, it cap, the natural result of capitalism is one rich person and everybody else has nothing. And so in order to prevent that from happening, essentially, that this is why, just for example, this is why the, it, if left unchecked, you end up with merger after merger after merger. This is why we have to have antitrust, because unchecked, the win, whoever wins is going to buy the loser and then they'll fight somebody or battle somebody else and then they'll win and then they'll buy the loser. And so they just keep consolidating. This is what Rockefeller did, you know? And so 
In order to prevent that, tax code is one of the ways to do that. And income tax in particular was used, for example, in the New Deal to try to prevent, to try to push down wealth inequality, to try to stop either the trend or to reverse the trend. And so you have to look at it from both of those perspectives, though, if you really want to understand the full scale of what tax is capable of and what it's there for. And that's where I think it's that second piece. I would I would never argue with you if you say, for, as far as the wealth generation piece, maybe we shouldn't be spending so much money on things. Like that's definitely needs to be on the table with any discussion in terms of government money management. But the tax code is definitely letting us down right now. And this is kind of to Warren Buffett's point. The tax code is letting us down right now in terms of managing wealth inequality because that has been exploding over the past 40 years or so to, to levels unseen since feudalism. But, you know, I don't or think, at least, but that's where you know, I think we have a misunderstanding and just the relationship of, of capital and, and the tax code and everything else because the tax code can't be singled out, I should say, for income inequality. I was going to say there's a lot more that has... Um, I think led to income inequality over the last probably 30 years, 40 years. Then it's not the only thing. Just the tax code. Now I would say this. Number one is we don't look at the corporate tax issue because a lot of companies uh, and industries have had subsidies, right? Like from the tech industry, the oil and fossil fuel industry and all that. So I think we keep dumping on individuals and individual tax rates when there's corporate America that that, that obviously is getting away with a lot. Number two is just the reality of just low interest rates, the ease to credit and, and money. And the thing is, and you're right, James, at some point there is a compounding effect, right? Like there's a lot of people that already had capital, for example. And then last year you had, let's say, the pandemic. And now it's not like the billionaires colluded and say, oh, let's have Apple and Amazon and Tesla and all this just go through the roof and Bitcoin. But what happens is those companies were the ones seen as the ones going to make money with everyone staying home. So all the concentration of money went there and the people that were already sitting on those stocks and those kind of companies just got richer. I don't know what the tax code would do about that. There's other areas of finance that could be used. Well, but to just because you government. don't know what the answer is doesn't mean there isn't an answer, though. No, I know. But also, I can say the same thing back to you. Just because you don't know the answer doesn't no, mean No, there is an answer for that. That, that. Elizabeth Warren has answers for that. Um, there's there's answers floating around in Congress all around, all around for that. Now, whether those answers, uh, it, it'll, it'll address that one issue. Will it create unintended, unintended consequences? I don't know. And so whether the answer oh, yeah. would be long-term workable. But that's the point, is to have the discussion. Try some stuff. Don't just paralyze yourself and say, oh, well, because we don't know 100% if it'll work. We don't want to do anything. Well, I mean, I'm not maybe, saying that. I'm, well, I'm just making the this. point that people look at and... Uh, at the like worst people as this boogeyman and i'm just saying that you know you could squeeze all the money out of these people look i don't I, not saying they're a boogeyman yeah. i'm saying i want a system that makes sense well, like, i'm not saying you are i'm saying we're talking about the article the article says that they're boogeyman the way that it's written i don't and think that's my the article problem. says that i know that you you definitely Bro, let like me let me let me read this to you because i'm i'm ready for this one of the things and i agree with you james that the the, the the tax code can be manipulated in a way to drive behavior just like we talked about municipal bonds, right? The tax-free nature of the income means that the behavior will be that well, wealthy people to, what were you gonna, invest. What were you going to say? Because I wanted to get things back like into charitable deductions, like or sorry, charitable contributions. So if you look at the Gilded Age, you know, the hundred years ago, the Vanderbilts, Rockefellers, there's a reason why most of the museums and hospitals and all that in the big cities in this country are named after those wealthy people because they gave a lot of their wealth away because it was in the interest of, you know, the tax code. So you, you want to go back to feudalism and nobility then? Well, no, I don't. Because that's gonna, how that worked too. No, I'm going to read something for you. This again, we're talking about the, the article, not necessarily you and I trying to solve the world on this show. But 
They're saying they're talking about specifically Michael Bloomberg's $1.9 billion income in 2018. Then the first thing that the author says right after that is that he made charitable donations of $968 million. And so then he says he paid $70 million in taxes. And so on an almost $2 billion income, that tax amount is three point seven. And I'm like, hold on, that's not right. Because he's allowed to deduct his charitable donation from his income. So really but he it made, didn't misrepresent that. It did misrepresent it. It's saying he's only making paying 3.7% taxes when he's really paying seven. Well, no, he's allowed the because income was the income. I mean, you, but, but James, you want to, we just acknowledge that the tax code can be used to manipulate and incentivize behavior. They've done that. They've incentivized wealthy people given to charities by letting them deduct it from their income. So this guy did that. He donated nine hundred. But it's still his million. income. I mean, you're saying but you that can't. We should... But you can't. But that's that's not fair, man. That's manipulating the numbers. It's you not. Can't... They laid it out clearly for one to see. You took but, the conclusion that you didn't like the way they said it, but that isn't accurate. What they because what you it's, just it's, read it's, was accurate. It's misrepresenting. He paid seven percent of his net income in taxes. But no, it, he's it, allowed he paid three percent of his total income. So you're just mad that. But the, that, no, I'm not mad. I'm saying the nine hundred sixty-eight is not considered income. He gave he, it to they, a charity. It's not like they hid that from you. They say that right there. So then they that's should say he paid seven percent. He paid seven well, percent on a billion. He didn't pay three. That's my point. But no, he did make and, that and money. And the other though. point, I, James, I, is but, but they don't break not, down. But here's my point. They don't break down his income. We don't know if he paid himself a billion dollar salary that he should be paying 39%. That's my point. What if 700 million of that was it's municipal bond income? Uh, but you know what I mean, I mean, yes, okay. So, so yes, that's all I'm nitpick. saying. Is but, I mean, the no, but you just want to nitpick misleading. the article, but I want to discuss the point, the premise, the whole thing. Not just I didn't like their tone, they were snarky, or I didn't like the way they worded that because from that standpoint, you're avoiding talking about the main issue because you want to ha- take issue with the authors and how they presented it. And okay. like I said, I, I'm well, not, I think I'm I would address the main issue, which is it's a complex tax system. I'm open to suggestions of changing and updating, but I, I'll tell you this though, maybe this is where we just disagree. I disagree with the idea of, of taxing capital in a way that it's income. I mean, I just disagree with that fundamentally. So that's, well, but I, and that's and all fine. We can disagree that, on that. That is a construct in the same way that many constructs have existed, and we've decided they were no longer good for society. No, and I agree. Look, I'm someone can change this. It ain't going to be me, but I'm no, just saying. Say, I'm not wed to it. If it doesn't yeah. work, if it results in a system where I pay a much higher percent of my growth in in myself, in my financial self, than people who are worth hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of times of me, then maybe that system doesn't work right. Maybe that system doesn't work for the purposes of revenue generation or for the purposes of managing wealth inequality. And you may say, oh, the tax code doesn't work for this and work for that. But you, on the other hand, acknowledge that the tax code does manipulate behavior, can be used to, to, to promote certain behaviors and other behaviors. And it's the only mechanism really that was proven to reverse the trend of wealth inequality that is not something that normally happens. Reversing wealth, the trend of wealth inequality rarely ever happens, particularly in the context of with, without changing the context of a capitalist system. By maintaining a capitalist system, but reversing the trend of wealth inequality is a miracle. It happened here, and it happened when our top tax rate was 90%, 93%. And it, has, it happened a little bit more at 75%. And I'm not saying you need to go there, but to take this off the table and say, well, this wouldn't work anyway, does definitely doesn't seem like the right approach. The other thing I'll say is with the financial game, and this is where we definitely would disagree. The financial game is the only place in the world where the higher you go, the easier it is to go higher. If you want to be a bodybuilder, the stronger you get, guess what? It's harder to get stronger. If you want to be a racer, guess what? The faster you get, the harder it is to get faster. 
go up the list. You're, you were a high-level athlete. It didn't get easier to, to, to compete at the higher levels once you got higher. Oh, yeah, I was great in high school, but now it's easier that I'm in college. If I go to the NBA, it'll be even easier. It doesn't work like that. That's not how the world works. The better you get at something, the harder it should be to keep going up. The financial game is the only thing that's not like that. And that's because the system isn't set up in a way that doesn't make sense. So let's try to make it make more sense. Let's try to make it more fair to everyone. And so that as you keep going up, it's not because it doesn't become easier. The, the road doesn't become wider for you as you get more and more and more successful. Because again, that's unnatural. That doesn't happen anywhere. And so that's my whole point with this thing is that this system is set up in a way that doesn't deliver results that are fair and that deliver results for a society that makes it gives us financial and political stability. Well, I'll just say that in my dreams, my basketball career worked like that. But you're right. <laughs> When I woke up, it was definitely not, didn't go that direction. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. Here, no, I wanna, now but, I'm going to lean into you, though. I do think there were problems with the article. I don't want to get to that. <laughs> so the thing I saw that I I'm like don't know if I'm comfortable with is that this is private stuff. Like, this, is, this isn't stuff that should be public in any way, shape, or form. This is leaked. And if this was WikiLeaks doing this, or if this was Putin doing this, we'd, we'd be like, hey, what's going on here? So how, how do you feel about that aspect of this, where we're looking at people's public tax records, or excuse me, private tax records that have been made public for the purposes of essentially a, now I th look at it as a takedown of the system. I know that you feel like you've expressed that you're like, yeah, I don't like the way that they did these guys, which you know, I, I get you on that. I, I, I wouldn't argue with you on that. But I think it's a takedown of the system, ultimately. But these guys are like collateral damage. But what was your take on that? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's I think it's 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 um, you know, lack of a better term, like that you know they, they, these people's per and that's my point, right? It's like they're putting all this stuff. That's why I get back to the Bloomberg thing, or even Warren Buffett, the way they talk about his taxes, um, and and you know because they only they leak out this little bit of stuff but then they don't really tell us what the what the total summation of their income is that's my point is saying that because of the complexity of the tax code they that we don't know what their their whole situation was and how they came to these lower tax rates and that's why like one of the um things i saw said that between 2015 and 2019 or something warren buffett's wealth grew at 23 billion but he paid taxes of this, so his tax rate was like one point something or 0.89%. I'm thinking, but the way the tax code worked, the two, you can't put them together. Just because his, well, that's what I was saying, we got a bull market here the last decade. So everybody that owns stocks, their stocks went up, and Warren Buffett founded a company 70 years ago that he owns a majority of the shares. Well, so what was, do you expect? I, think I had a different take from that. I thought, again, I thought that argument was not that he was supposed to pay taxes on that. It's that he it was unfair that he didn't have to pay taxes on, because that's an unrealized gain. No, neither but, but, of us are saying- Exactly, that he, but that's that, my point, that James. Is that, that's why, but, that, but James, you said a great point there, and that's why I think the system, when it comes to that specifically, I'm not going to talk about the other 50,000 pages in the tax code, but what you said is very important. It's unrealized gains. yes. So how are you supposed to tax that? Because then when he sells it, you tax him again. I mean, kind of. That's my point. Well, no. When he sells it, it, he'll when he has he'll pay it. tax. Well, no. If he if he passes that on to like there, there's ways to avoid that as well. I mean, now, but we don't have to get again. We, that, I know. Let's not but get not into that. at a billions of dollars either. That's tough to avoid all that. That's well, my point. But it's not but. impossible. Um, and you know, like, it, but either way, like again, I thought the the point of that, and I, again, I wouldn't argue with you that the way they presented things was to make a point, and the point was that this stuff. It's not fair that these type these unrealized gains aren't tax, taxed. 
Now they throw but they out will different be taxed proposals. When realize. That's why maybe I'm saying maybe it's... not. That's the, you, you don't know that necessarily. Um, there are and, and so either way, if that's the premise, you disagree with that premise. That's fine. I don't disagree with that premise. I don't know how you would do it necessarily, but I'm not Elizabeth Warren going through all these papers all the time or whoever else has ideas as far as how to do that. Whether it's be these these wealth taxes or whatever people are coming up with, I think in order to solve a problem or to address a problem, if you deem it to be a problem, the first thing you have to do is identify what's going on and then try to come up with a solution. I think it would be irresponsible to not look at something like this before you try to figure out how to make a system more fair, if you're going to do that, if you don't think it's fair in the first place. So, but I, and I'll say on the privacy thing, I, oh, I was uncomfortable, made uncomfortable by this personally, but I don't object to it in the sense that this, this is a matter of public concern, and I do think it's messed up what happened. But the the the, the thing like this this kind of thing happens, you know. Like you can argue that what happened to Nixon is messed up, that his private recordings are getting turned over and stuff like that. But it becomes a matter of public concern, and so in this instance, I don't see this. I, I, this doesn't appear to be something that was partisan. This doesn't appear to be something that was vindictive. I don't know if it was. You no, know, I would I, my tune would change if it's something like that. But this looks to be about whether our tax system misses the mark. And if that's that is a matter that that Americans should be concerned about and should have information about and should, if it is, figure out ways to get around it. So well, I'm conflicted. I'll this, be honest, I'm conflicted because I don't like the privacy. Part, well, the, the and and that's the thing. Part. I mean, who knows the motivation of it, you know, whether political, vindictive, whatever. But I, again, that's the issue I have with it. Right. Is apparently I, I heard that they got. Um, a bunch of tax returns. I'm talking thousands of individual tax returns. And that's kind of my issue, right? Like, so they chose to just pick on like five people. Like, and, and, and well, they here's did that the for thing. newsworthiness though. I mean, yeah, like, you I mean, I'm sure, that. but, but, but if the they people. were serious, cause here's the thing, a way I look at it, and this again, maybe getting creative mentally with how this is done. And again, I don't know how to judge who's a good billionaire versus who was a bad billionaire in terms of like, if you really were going to put something in process. But I think like everything, not everything is the same, right? Not all billionaires are the same. I think the guys that we've been kind of focusing on here, specifically Warren Buffett, Bezos, Bloomberg, guys like Mark Cuban or Elon Musk, they seem to have made their wealth in a way that was in a kind of positive way, right? Like they built companies, they, they kind of employ people, they have new innovations and technology and all that. Then you've got the type of billionaires we hear of from, let's say, Eastern Europe, when kind of the former Soviet Union collapsed and you basically had literally gangsters just getting control of like, you know, the state oil company or the state telecommunications company. And here 20 years later, the guy's worth $35 billion. So um, I'm just- Or, I mean, or oligarchs that are put in places when government takes over things. And like, there's a lot of ways- Well, that's that what I was saying. Like the Russian example or the Eastern European, I, mean, I don't, just don't want to pick on Russia, but a lot of the-, the But oats, that happens in other parts of the world too. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. They're the oil billionaires in the Middle East, there's there's billionaires in Africa that, that didn't get their money. They're kind of above board way, right? Um, so my point is, is that- Or at least would, within the construct of a system that everybody, at least in theory, can participate in. Yeah, you know, and that's and, what I give you. I mean, I, I'm not arguing that point. And that's why I'm saying that I'll, I'll, I'll say that I would look at it differently. And that's why I say I would look at a fourth generation person that's sitting on, you know, $500 million from a trust from the time they were born and never asked to lift a finger. I could, I could appreciate maybe a different taxation system for them than the Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, the guys that actually put their elbow grease in there and for 20 years were busting their ass doing something. Um, that to me, because to me, it's more about they're adding value to society. 
They're creating opportunities. They're they're shaking up industry and shaking up technology. And that advances. And you want our, that to be rewarded, and I get yeah, that I, I think that should our, be rewarded too. I actually, again, I don't feel good about what was done to these guys. I don't look at any of these guys as bad or evil or anything like that. Um, again, I, I but I do think it's there's value in pointing out, in my view, my read of this, and looking at, and in, in my view of taxes, as I pointed out, with multiple different roles, is that this is information that the public needs to have in order to make decisions. I mean, this is part of the reason you, you said it's a reflection of the public. Well, if the public doesn't know a bet, this level of tax avoidance is perfectly legal. And, you know, is just, it's just standard operating procedure. Then is that really the reflection of what the public wants, you know, like, or maybe, or not, you know, like, and so, but again, I'm, I'm still uncomfortable. I don't like, I don't like, and to the extent that any of these guys are presented in a light to, to make them villains, I would disagree with that. And like, I didn't take it that way, but I could, I could see how you could take it as that they were trying to cast them as villains. Um, but I'll so just I, say, I'd be honored if they did uh, hack me and they released my tax return. That would be cool. Because <laughs> then I'd just be like, wow. I actually was You guys were looking at me too? That's cool. If that was why you were <laughs> mad, because you, you, were, you were either mad that you weren't on the list or mad that you were. <laughs> So I didn't know. I'm trying to figure out which one. Let's say, <laughs> let's hope that 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 I was uh, I was I, I came up on their radar to look at. But yeah, they don't need to put my stuff in an article. <laughs> they I'd didn't want to give you the free I'd be pub- embarrassed how small it is compared to everyone else. Yeah. They didn't want to give you the free publicity, <laughs> man. It, it, you were jobbed. <laughs> no, I would just I would just go tell everyone it's shrinkage. You know, it was cold that day. Like my 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 number shrank. Oh man! <laughs> well, look, let's. I just got out the pool. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the next topic, but that was a lively one. You know, so I mean, it's. I think anybody can kind of make up their mind as far as how they view it, how they feel um, about how the article presented things. But the I think you do have to look at the issues and the underlying point, and maybe. It's it's easy to kind of lose that because of the the way that things were presented or that, that this is private information that was being leaked and all that. But I do think it's important, you know, us as citizens, you know, as, as in, a, in a citizen government, um, you know, we're you know, we at least we're selecting representatives that we see where things may be producing outcomes that are not consistent with what we might think is fair to everyone, or maybe they are. If you think it's cool, then you know you you support the status quo. If you think that it's not, then Again, you don't lurch to the other side and start saying, oh, we need to get rid of capitalism. That's not the answer. Um, but there probably isn't there has been ways in the past to 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 address these things a little more in, in a way with a little more care, a little more delicate that you end up with a system where everybody kind of is ends up contributing a similar percentage of how they're growing to the to the government enterprise that we all are supposed to be running. Um but right, I did man, learn there, that everything, no... is, everything bad in the world is billionaire's fault. So I did learn that. <laughs> well, but or you, or you could say everything good in the world is billionaire's fault. <laughs> so you know, it depends on your perspective. Um, now, there's no easy transition here, but uh, you sent me this, and you know, I'm going to let you take the, the first swing at this. But so we have scientists now that are out here saying that the universe is conscious, and the underlying premise really is that anytime you have a certain level of complexity with things that need to interact not just complexity, but things that need to interact, that you basically, the consciousness at, on a quantum level is, or what we deem as consciousness, what we understand as consciousness on a quantum level is what is playing a role there. And so in that case, maybe, you know, Tunde, you might think that the tax code is conscious, <laughs> how complex that is. How are going to say? For the purposes of, of this, you know, th- this piece from, um, from popular, uh, for popular mechanics, the you know, it, do you buy that the universe or 
any level, anything that we can look at with a certain level of complexity may be conscious as we understand it. And they have experience that I, even though we can't relate to is there. Well, I'm first going to stop and say, this is what I really appreciate about the show that I can go from an argument with you about taxes on billionaires to the universe. So this is pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would so, categorize we, those things in the same, hey, we, in the we same just, bucket. You know, I, I really enjoy <laughs> those are being eternal a, questions. Hey, I'm I'm enjoying <laughs> this nerd situation here, man. This is awesome. So so yeah, we go from complexity of the US tax code ratified by the 16th Amendment in 1913 to the universe being conscious. So ratified by the big bang 13 <laughs> billion years ago. Yep. <laughs> so, um, look, this, this was when I read it, that's why I knew we'd have some fun with this one. Um, it's actually just like a lot of things we talk about on the second half of our shows, a lot with the science stuff, which is fascinating to me. Um, it's interesting. One thing to learn, you know, they, they went through the, the definition of what consciousness is from the Oxford dictionary. Um, which people can look up only to the sentence I liked was scientists simply do not have a unified theory on what consciousness is. <laughs> yeah. We also don't know where it comes from or what it's made of. And I thought, well, you know, what it made me think of is religion. Yeah. I said, there you go. Boom. That's what religion helps us answer as human beings. The kind of those kind of why questions. Well, yeah, and, those uh, are the ones that still exist. Like we've talked about before, like it used to be, well, they, they'd answer the question. Religion would tell us the answers to like, why does it rain? Or, you know, why are there earthquakes? Or, you know, yeah. why is there like, those are the questions that religion used to answer when people, when science didn't have the answers. Now science answers those, but there's still questions that religion, that the science has no clue and religion can, can give us answers to, to tide us over, so to speak. Yeah, no. And, and so one of the things that is another thing that is true, you can't rule this out as much as somebody might say, you know, how can a desk have, have consciousness? Um, but it says we can't exhaustively say other organisms or even inanimate objects don't have consciousness. Um, just and it's talking about like we we can relate to our dogs and cats because they respond to us. We can see how they kind of process stuff and learn expressions. It, it said, know, yeah, yeah, just because we don't relate to rocks doesn't mean uh, or, or the ocean or the sky doesn't mean that it doesn't have consciousness. And that made me think of something which this goes back to living organisms. But I I remember listening to a show about trees and trees actually having consciousness. And it was actually a, a, a real scientific field that's uh, of study that began in the 1960s. But the scientists that were studying it were actually getting ridiculed from their peers. So it kind of died down and went away. And probably in the, in the, in the mid, like in the 2000 teens, you know, in the last decade, Scientists started bringing it back because of the other um, scientific discoveries and, and natural science stuff that, that has evolved in the last few decades. And what they were talking about is, the, it's almost reminded me of, um, remember the movie Avatar? Yeah. And how the planet um, had this Awa, this like yeah. consciousness, the being, and they would plug into it with that little thing from their hair. Yeah. It reminded me kind of of that where I was saying how tree, there's such a complex network of um just organisms under the trees and they were equating the tree roots to like the, 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 the axons and the neurons that connect with each other in our brains. Yeah. And so they were saying in a forest, all these roots, like we don't see it because you got the ground there. But if you were to just take that, that top layer of dirt off, you would have all these roots like talking to each other and connecting and then all the, um, and like trees knowing the other trees are sick. And they were talking about like studying over decades how like a certain group of trees will kind of move away from another group. 
They talked about how certain trees will come and invade other species and kind of take their food and all that. But they were saying this is happening over. So it's such a long period of time. Yeah, such a slow period of time. Yeah. That they said like, like a mosquito might live for like four days and and the natural life and then lay eggs and die. And they were saying that's like the way we are to a tree in the terms of our, our lifespan versus theirs. Like a tree might live for 800 years. We're sitting here for 50, 60, 80 years. So that tree has gone through a lot and, and looks at us like we look at the fly. Like, man, you guys think you got all this stuff going on, man. Just, I just woke up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I found that interesting. And then the last part is the inanimate object part made me feel like the, um, the Eastern philosophies of the, uh, I don't want to say Chinese specifically. I'm not sure. So I'd say the Eastern way of kind of dealing with energy. So that concept of chi yeah. and like feng shui, like the fact that there's, there's a kind of, there's an energy and a certain spirit and anything. And I think native, some native American tribes had this too. So what I'm saying is it, it you know, who knows, honestly, but it could yeah. be another example where some of these ancient societies actually has some real knowledge. No, that's <laughs> and what we're it just is, relearning man. that. That's what it is. You know? There are like yeah. religions on the earth today that consider consciousness and everything as well. And yeah. so that's what the first thing I thought of with that. And then also they talked about this, this concept, this value of phi that they're talking about mathematically that seemed a lot like chi to me in yeah. terms of how they were talking about it. So it was just, it, that to me was the, the thing I took away the most was just that it's really science going in a direction that's similar to a lot of the religion, a lot of the religions that were integrated with the natural world. Like and on, in the West, we're, we're um, used to religions that more impose on the natural world that are about dominating the natural world. Um, not necessarily of living, well, at least in modern Western, you know, religion. Um, that wasn't always the case, but you know, in a lot of religions that you learn about in different parts of the world where it, it's more in harmony with nature, they're, they, they're, they're in tune with or interact with things in their environment, living or non-living. And, you know, like there's, there's more going in their view, there's more going on. And this seems to be a study of that basically. And again, they're looking at it in terms of complexity and how much interaction needs to happen. And then measuring that, that type of interaction with phi and, it's like, man, like this is, and that, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, if us, you know, everything is about perspective. You know, like if if you want to go back, you know, in time, or if you want to stand in the modern day, if you just stand outside, you can't tell that the earth is round because your perspective is so narrow. And this is kind of geospatial, the point that you were making with temporal so shortly a little bit ago with time, when you were saying how our perspective for 50, 60, or 80 years or whatever is very narrow compared to a tree. Well, that's even more narrow compared to other objects that might be out there. Or, you know, if you're looking at the universe or whatever, and this constantly expanding thing that we can't explain most of what's going on and what we can see, and then we can't, exp- we see, that we, we understand there are things that we can't see, but we have no idea what's going on other than we can, we can measure things about them, but we don't even know what it is. Like, we call it dark matter or dark energy, and it's like, it's not dark because... That's like something that describes it. It's dark because we don't know in the world it is. And so there's so much going on all the time. But our matter of perspective, and some of this is just for our sanity, is just that, all right, well, we're just going to focus on the things that we kind of know or kind of understand or at least think we understand. And we're just ignore everything else. And this kind of gets into like that, that next level type stuff where you're like, all right, we're just going to start asking a bunch of questions and looking at a bunch of things that we don't know. 
and seeing if we come up with stuff. And then the whole quantum thing, which is very, 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 that's a very small level. You know, quantum is smaller than, you know, like we can really, we can imagine, you know, and you get into that stuff and the, the, the big thing in physics is that the quantum stuff does not obey the regular, the, all the stuff we think we know about physics, quantum doesn't do the same. That doesn't obey that stuff. So it's a completely different thing that we don't understand yet. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can you can come up with a case that everything or that, that they, other things beyond what we currently think of have consciousness, have it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm here for it if they're asking the question. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I buy it. Uh, but you know, I want I want to read it and I want to see what they're thinking, and then you know, see how they progress over the years. Well, I'm going to say this because I definitely got something to add and 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 continue the the fun. But I'm going to have more fun right now. You know, <laughs> when you were talking, you reminded me of Donald Rumsfeld. Remember <laughs> when he was like, Rummy? Remember when he, the knowns and unknowns and the known known knowns and then remember when he was giving that press conference and everyone's like, hold on. Did did I just go on a tornado? What did this guy just <laughs> You were going, I was like, hold on, I've heard this before. Nah, <laughs> unknowns nah. and knowns and knowns. Nah, but it's 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 it, one thing and you get into the quantum, and that's where um I wanted to pick up is um because we had a show earlier this year about the mind and being like a computer. Remember? Yeah. And, and was talking about like like um, how we just project on whatever we think is the best technology of the time. So yeah. now it's a computer before it was hydraulic or whatever. So what was cool is this this um, gentleman wrote a book, um, Roger Penrose, called in 1989, called The Emperor's New Mind. And he claimed that, quote, human consciousness is non-algorithmic and a product of quantum effects. And so... What he means, because an algorithm is simply a series of predictable steps to reach an outcome. So bottom line is, it was nice to see that, because it made me think of our prior discussion, that not only did he put voice to what we already felt, that we felt that the mind wasn't like a computer, but then he went further and gave me something else to chew on. Because when he talked about the quantum effects, you know, for those that nerd out to this kind of stuff and understand, like, at the quantum level, a lot of physical science begins to break down. So like particles, for example, can react to each other on other sides of the universe um, and they don't know why or how. And particles at the, at the quantum level can just appear and disappear randomly. They don't know why. So there's something that folks can look up on YouTube called the double split experiment in quantum physics, which is fascinating. So that'll you know kind of get your mind going. But the point, you know what made me think of James where this guy might be onto something? about the, the, the neural connections, because remember our brains, the neural connections are all electrical impulses. So there's a lot of room for quantum stuff to go on from an electrical and all that um, um, kind of, the, that kind of energy flow. <laughs> and you're gonna laugh. Maybe just think of human irrationality. I was like, this proves we're not like a computer because if it was algorithmic, everything would have some sort of rational kind of behavior. Yeah. And probably human beings wouldn't have survived because you probably need to be somewhat irrational to survive natural disasters and predators and other things that just come at you when you're alive. So it was an interest. like I've never heard any of this. And it was for the first time when I th- thought about the way the quantum world works and it's actually irrational. Um, it, as rela- it's irrational as relates to the natural laws and physical laws of science that we tend to understand at the macro level. When you go to quantum, they break down just like a black hole. 
that's what I thought. Maybe this guy's onto something that actually what creates consciousness is a series of these, you know, a lot of series of these kind of random quantum events, but that can create, you know, the Mona Lisa or it can create Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, like it can create all these different outcomes of the same human or a human well, brain. That, that leads, and I, I do want to close this up, but I'll tell you this, that leads to a pretty scary place because, <laughs> you know, like they're working on quantum computing right now. I know, and right? And it's, no. it, that, what, that, what that takes you to basically is that the standard type of computing, which is algorithmic and that operates in our normal construct, would not generally be able to, to, to effectively replicate AI. But once you start putting it in a quantum type of situation, it may. And it, it, what would come with that conceivably may be some level of irrationality that could end up like some scary sci-fi Like the movie. Matrix, literally. <laughs> or Terminator, right? No, but I'm saying that that's, or maybe that's rational to them, but it's irrational to us to get rid of all the humans. But Who um, knows? But I mean, I, I think we can close it up there, man. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it definitely raises more questions than answers. And that's kind of the point is just to, you know, like to get out there and just stretch your brain a little bit and all well, you these, know things, what I these say things we don't know. Before you wrap up is mm. because I realized that the article is about the universe being conscious. And the one thing just to end it on this is we always hear about the universe expanding faster than the speed of light. And it's just constantly expanding. And that's one thing I was thinking, maybe it is alive and that's why it's kind of growing. Who knows? But that's, uh, I mean, yeah, that could be a reason or it could be, I think there'd be a lot of reasons. On. I'll stick to taxes and finance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, we appreciate everybody for joining us. And and until next time, I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Valana. All right, subscribe, rate, review, and we'll talk to you next time.